So as I mentioned earlier, Pastor Ross is uh, enjoying the week off uh, with Barb, so remember them in your prayers, and uh, uh, we are honored again to have Don. Now, Don teaches at uh, Talbot Seminary, which is Biola's seminary, and he's a professor of homiletics, right? And so he teaches young men how to preach, and so we're always blessed when Don comes out uh, because uh, he's just always filled with so much information. I mean, he's been doing this for years. He uh, can explain the scriptures clearly. He's coming up. Here he comes. And he's just an all-around great guy. <laughs> so please welcome Don. Good morning. <laughs> when he starts talking about how many years I've been doing this, I get a little nervous, okay? Not sure what else he's going to say. Yeah, it's good to be back, yeah. And my wife, Alice, here. May, honey, just stand up just a second. Yeah. Uh, it's always great to come back. It really is. Thanks. If I said that I was going to do something quick as a wink, how fast is that? Do you know how fast a wink is? If I said... I wouldn't do that for all the tea in China. <laughs> How much tea are we talking about? <laughs> you don't know. If I complain that one of my children is moving at a snail's pace, how fast is he or she, probably he, moving? <laughs> You don't know a snail's pace. You don't know those things, but God does. God knows that a wink is one third of a second. Want to see it again? <laughs> God knows how much tea there is in China. According to a recent <laughs> estimate, about 300,000 tons. And God knows that a snail's pace is 10 feet per hour. If he came in that door, went around the circle, and out that door, none of you stepped on him, he'd be out here about 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> now, God knows all those things, and that's because God knows everything. Everything there is to know, God knows. That's one of his traits. It's one of his characteristics. In theology, we say it's one of his attributes. It's the attribute of omniscience, omniscience, all knowledge. God has all the knowledge there is to have. Now this morning, I would like us to fasten on God's knowledge. I would like us first to see how absolute it is, how all-encompassing, how vast, how penetrating, how comprehensive 
is God's knowledge. I'd like us to see that. And then I'd like us to see how good it is for us to know that. I would like us to see the promise he makes us based on his omniscience. So first of all, how vast is God's knowledge? The scripture says that God's knowledge is so vast that he knows every distinct star in the created universe and has given a name, a name to every star. Now that's trillions of names that God has given and knows each star by name. I have five kids. I can't keep their names straight. <laughs> Sarah, Mary, whoever you are, quit it. I know you live here, I just forget your name. <laughs> you have in your reading vocabulary the ability to recognize 60,000 words. Your speaking vocabulary is less than that, about 40,000 words. And that's words, okay? That's nouns, adjectives, pronouns, verbs, adverbs, preposition, words. 60,000. God has trillions of proper names, proper names. Psalm 147. He determines how many stars there are and he calls each one of them by name. And the psalmist says, great is our Lord. His wisdom, his understanding, his knowledge is beyond our understanding. And my friend, that's true. God's knowledge is so vast, it's beyond our comprehension. But the Bible also says that God's knowledge extends to the most insignificant detail. The Bible says that God's knowledge is so specific, so minute, that he knows the least thing that happens. And he's attentive to it. Tomorrow morning in Santa Rosa, pet store owner is going to open shop. And he's going to the glass cages against the wall. He's going to take out a couple of parakeets. And he's going to put it in a cage. He's put a sign that says, Sale, two parakeets, $5.95. A little later in the morning, a lady's going to come in and she's going to buy pets for her grandchildren. Um, her son-in-law will not tolerate dogs or cats. She'll settle on the parakeets. She'll write a check, two parakeets, $5.95. She'll take the check out, the cage out, put it in the back seat of her car, and she'll drive away. A couple of blocks later, somebody will pull out suddenly in front of her and to avoid collision, on the brakes, and the cage in the back seat will tumble to the floor. And God in heaven You'll know that it happened. That's what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 10. Turn there in your Bible. I'll give you time to find it. 
Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. God knows the least thing that happens. Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground, apart from the will of your Father. Two sparrows in their day, if you were too poor to bring a lamb for a sacrifice, you purchased a couple of sparrows. They cost a penny. In their culture, a penny was a coin, copper coin, an asarion, it was called an asarion. The value of an asarion was one sixteenth of a larger coin, a denarius. Like our dime, like our nickel is one fifth of a quarter, an asarion was one sixteenth of a denarius. And the value of a denarius was a day's wage. One sixteenth of a day's Are not two sparrows sold for a pe- Are not two Parakeets sold for five ninety-five, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father. God's knowledge is vast. He knows the name of every star. God's knowledge is specific. He knows the flutter of every parakeet. But most of all, God's knowledge is personal. He knows you. He knows everything about you. God's knowledge is vast. God's knowledge is specific. But most of all, God's knowledge is loving. He knows you. He knows why you chose to wear what you're wearing this morning. You say, well, that's not hard. It was the only clean thing in the closet. He knows what you're going to have for lunch and where you're going to have it. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows how you would act in a situation even even if you're not sure how you'd act. He knows how you'd act. If your kid crashed his bike into a parked car and broke his arm... God knows how you'd act, whether you come up, are you, are you hurt? What is, is it? Or whether you'd say, come kid, how many times I'll tell you what's going. He knows how you'd act if you parked your car on a hill and somebody said, look, and your car was rolling down the hill. <laughs> he knows whether you'd go, my car, my car. Or whether you'd be crazy enough to try and run and jump in a moving car. (laughs) He knows how you'd act if he gave you another child right now. He knows how you'd act if you won the publisher's sweepstakes and a TV crew showed up at your door with one of those big checks that says a million dollars. God knows how you'd act if he took your business to a certain level or 
if he puts you in a certain position at your company. Isn't that what Jesus goes on to tell us, that God knows you? Look at the next sentence he says. After talking about sparrows that fall to the ground, he says, even the very hairs of your head are numbered, are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows to God. God is so attentive to you. God knows you so detailed, so intimately, so perfectly. God knows everything about you that God knows right now exactly for you how many hairs are in your head. He keeps a running count. And this morning he subtracted a few. <laughs> this is our God's knowledge. Vast, detailed, loving. And out of this omniscience, God has a promise to make you. Out of this vast, detailed, loving omniscience, God has something to say to you. And it's very good. And it's this. God, who knows you so well, will not bring anything into your life that is more than he knows you can handle. God's promise. He will not allow you to experience or face anything that is beyond what he knows you are capable of. That's his promise. He is only going to allow or to bring into your life what he knows. He knows. He knows. You, 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 you. He knows you can manage. I want you to see this promise. If you'll turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians, after you go past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you'll hit Acts, and then will come 1 Corinthians. The 1 Corinthians, the first letter that Paul wrote to Christians living in the city of Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. God will not allow you to face anything that is more than he knows you're capable of. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has seized you. No trial has come your way. No situation has arisen. No circumstance has come to pass except what is common to man. Others have faced it. It's part of what the human race has periodically had to experience. Except what is common to man. And here comes God's promise. God is faithful. He can be trusted. He's going to make a promise, and you can count on him. God is faithful. He will not let you be tested beyond what you can bear. He will not let a situation come into your life that is more than he knows you can handle. Okay? But when you are tempted, when the testing comes, when the situation comes, God is faithful. He will provide a way out. 
so that you can stand up under it. There will always be a way in any situation that God knows that if you will put your hand in his and you will walk with him, there is a way that you can move through that situation without being crushed or destroyed. God is faithful. He will not let you experience anything that is more than he knows you can walk with him without sinning and being destroyed. I remember this means, this means that God will not give you a child too difficult for you to raise. God knows you. God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows that deep within you there is the wisdom and the patience and the love and the sternness to raise that child. God will not give you a husband who travels a lot for business or who is in a dangerous occupation. God would not give you that husband unless God knew you could handle the fear. God would not have your grown children or grandchildren move back in with you. <laughs> Unless he knew you could build a happy home around them. God will not give you a neighbor you cannot get along with. God would not ask you to live singly unless it was best for the time being. God will not bring anything into your life that is more than he knows you can handle. I remember when that hit me with the greatest force. Maybe it wasn't the first time I thought the idea, but it was one of those times where, pow, it stayed with me that God would not bring anything into my life beyond what he knew I could manage. It was a couple of years after I started pastoring Scottsdale Bible Church. Scottsdale is a suburb near Phoenix. And when I first went there, they were just happy. They'd been without a pastor for about a year and a half and it was, oh, so glad to have a pastor again. And for the first couple of years that I pastored, church grew, attendance went up. Then after a couple of years, the excitement kind of wore off. By then I'd made some mistakes they figured out I wasn't everything they thought or hoped I would be. And uh, attendance started to go down. Dissatisfaction kind of crept in a little bit. Started hearing complaints. And then realized I was being compared to the former pastor. His name was Jim Borer. It's not a last name you want to have if you're a pastor, but. (laughs) 
He was a terrific pastor. He came when they were about 80. And then he took them to a church of about 500. And then God called him to a kind of a very large megachurch in Southern California. And when he left, they cried. I mean, they, they did. He was just great, and they, they loved him. They cried. And after a couple of years, I kind of sensed I was being compared. It, it was something like this. When Jim Borer was here, when Jim Borer was here for vacation Bible school, we had a parade and a float through downtown Scottsdale when Jim Borer was here. I, th I thought I was doing good to get two lines on a Saturday church page, you know. <laughs> when Jim Borer was here, our church had the highest percentage of adults enrolled in BMA, Bible Memory Association. We were written up in their national magazine. Here's a copy of the article when Jim Borer was here. I mean, the man's ghost was in the woodwork. I mean, it was just... <laughs> One day, I, I, one day I went by the, by the uh, I was walking down the church hallway and I went by the room, which was our library, church library. And there was also a large chest of drawers into which at that time, cassette tapes were available for people to come and check them out. And as I went by the hallway, I, I saw one of the young executives of the church standing in front of a chest of drawers. And I said, hey, Bob, what are you doing? Oh, hi, Don. Uh, I'm checking out Jim Bohr's series on Romans. Okay, yeah, good. <laughs> I wonder if anybody ever checks out my tapes. I mean, I just was feeling intimidated. Intimidated, discouraged, threatened. About that time, we had on staff a young man named Greg Bowers. He was an intern. He had taken, he was a seminary student, but he had taken a year off of his seminary. He was going to Western Seminary in Portland. And uh, he had taken a year off to come and spend an internship with us. And Scottsdale Bible Church was his home church. He had grown up there. That means he knew the people better than I knew them. Because I'd only been there a couple of years. He heard things I didn't hear. And one day in staff meeting, he said, hey, Don, I hear that some of the people are talking about inviting Jim Bohr to come back to Scottsdale and start up a church here. I wondered how you'd feel about that. I would be flattered <laughs> if God thought I were capable of that. And it hit me. If he came back and did that, it would be because God knew something about me that I didn't yet know about myself that I could handle it. If Jim Borer came back and God knew that Sanukian would not be crushed or devastated, I was honored that he had such an opinion of me. 
Jim Bohr didn't come back. God knew I couldn't handle it. <laughs> My friend, God is faithful. God's faithful. God will not allow something to come into your life that is beyond what he knows about you. He knows you, that you can handle it. God will not give you too much to do and too little time to do it. He won't do that. He's not that kind of a God. The moments at home, the hours at work, the conversations with the children, the service to his kingdom, it fits with joy, with strength, because God only brings what he knows you can take care of. As you look at your life now, do you see a difficulty? Do you see a tension? Are you looking at a concern, a problem? Is it a person? Some individual? Are you thinking about the future? Is it going to be good? Oh, my friend. God knows you and he is creating your future. And he promises he's only going to bring what he knows you're capable of. Be absolutely firm in that confidence because then you will look at each situation and wonder what God's victory is going to be. Our Father, it is so difficult for us to know you as you know yourself. And in this area of your knowledge, our human limitations cannot cope with what you reveal about yourself. But by faith, we take you at your word that you know us better than we know ourselves. And that through Jesus, our Savior, you promise you have a plan to life which only brings the things you know we can walk with you in joy. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.